Welcome to another Tyrius cast. I'm Kevin Crewell. And I'm Jim McGregor. And today's cast, we're going to discuss the status of the FTC case against Qualcomm after the decision by Judge Lucy Coe in favor of the FTC, which was a bit of a surprise. As a quick reminder, this dispute is about the wireless licensing and royalty rates for IP, and the FTC's claim that Qualcomm was a monopoly and had monopoly powers and therefore needed to be reprimanded or there needed to be some sort of a remedy to that. And uh, that's the case they brought it to Judge Coe's court. And Jim and I have written extensively on this case on Forbes.com and pretty much tearing apart the FTC's case. But surprisingly, Judge Coe sided with the FTC on this, uh, or surprisingly to if you've really looked at the details of the case. Yeah, it was amazing. She pretty much mimicked everything that the FTC was fighting for and even supported by their star witness, but she never even mentioned that witness anywhere in her decision, her you know 200 and some odd page decision. She basically said that they had power and abused that power and they deserved some form of action against Qualcomm in response to that. Yeah, it's actually kind of crazy uh, in, in some regards because FTC built this entire economic model or theory and the lead proponent of this theory, which was their key witness, wasn't even referenced in her decision. And, and she went out of her way to discredit the Qualcomm witnesses, including Erwin Jacobs, the founder of the company and a, a legend in the industry. It, it just did not hold up. Uh, uh, Professor Shapiro was their lead, was the lead with FTC, and his economic theory that was the basis for the FTC case, and, and she never referenced that at all. It's, to my mind, it seemed that, and, and this is also, I think, based on pre-trial uh, ruling that she made, I think she was predetermined to side with the FTC in this case, despite whatever witnesses Qualcomm put up. I, I just see that as that she was already sided with the FTC before, uh, as this case developed, and, and I don't think she really gave Qualcomm a, a real chance here. Yeah, and there were a few things, major things missing from her decision. Not only did she side with a theory that was discredited in previous cases, <laughs> widely discredited, as just, well, if somebody has potential market power, They obviously are abusing that. Well, that's not true. Because one of the key things that was necessary for this was showing some type of harm, which was already kind of upheld in Supreme Court cases of saying, you know, there's got to be some harm here. And there was no proof. No, There wasn't even any kind of indication that there was harm to other licensees or to customers anywhere down the road for this. You know, one of the other uh, key pieces of the FTC's case was a supposedly um, no license, no chip policy by Qualcomm, which basically mean, uh, from Qualcomm's point of view, is if you didn't take a license for all the patents needed to bring a smartphone to market, you know, that was part of the FRAND uh, agreement, why would Qualcomm sell you chips? It might have it might have been a little draconian in some regards. I think there was one former Qualcomm executive who may have taken it a bit too far, but when it all came down to it, the FTC never proved that Qualcomm ever really 
didn't provide chips to a to a, a customer and and put them lines down in any way other than some samples that were a little late because of a slowness from one smartphone vendor but they never actually proved that Qualcomm really held to this no license no chip uh, policy even when Apple was not paying royalties or Apple contract manufacturers Qualcomm was still willing to sell them chips up until the point where Apple sued Qualcomm well, Ian, let's debunk this a little bit. When they say no license, no chip, you know, when you buy license from other company or when you buy chips from other companies, whether it's Intel, whether it's AMD, whoever it is, you're essentially, you're not buying a separate license and a separate chip. You're buying them all in one package. The reason this is different in the wireless industry is because the early innovators in the industry set up this program to where anybody could develop chips. So there was a license for the IP so that at least the innovators could be rewarded. But there was, uh, under the FRAN terms, it was required that you had to offer a license to anybody that inquired about it. But, you know, once again, you know, if you're Intel, would you, quite honestly, would you sell somebody chips if they're not willing to honor your IP licenses? You wouldn't. So it kind of seems ridiculous. You know, no license, no chips. Yeah, well you wouldn't get chips without that inherent license from any other company. Yeah, because what do you do with the chips? You can't legally ship the, the smartphone without taking a license for the IP. And and unlike other IP situations, like say an ARM, where they license an IP to a chip manufacturer and then the license is based on the chip sales, uh, or should say the royalty is based on the chip sales, the IP we're talking about here that Qualcomm is involved in is part of the standard a 4g lte standard and it's beyond just the you know individual components inside the chip this is a system level ip is the whole platform uh this this is the whole infrastructure of building a wireless ecosystem so why would you just license it on the chip because it includes things like antennas and signaling it's a system level patent so that's why these licenses apply to the smartphone not to the individual components inside the smartphone. Well, and we also have to clarify, because one of the issues here, and I've seen this reiterated in a recent trade publication, and I won't name which one, was the fact that while Qualcomm had a monopoly, so they had to have abused that power. Well, let's figure out why they had that. They didn't really have a monopoly, first off. There were other sources. A lot of companies, such as Samsung, Huawei have done their own modems and their own wireless technology, and a lot of other chip companies like MediaTek, Spreadtrum, others have done their own modems. And none of these, including Qualcomm, were initially in the mobile handset market. I mean, they all came after the Motorola's and the Nokia's were in the market. So, you know, there's never been a preclusion from anybody, whether it's an OEM or whether it's a chip vendor, from doing their own chip. However, you know, did Qualcomm have leverage? Absolutely. They had leverage because they were ahead of the market and they were really the only supplier of CDMA technology. But that wasn't necessarily because of what was two things. One, they were the innovators in there. And two, a lot of their competition left the market. TI, Freescale, and others said, oh, well, the modem's going to be a commodity, so we're going to get out of this. We don't want to be in the market. And there was nothing preventing other companies like Apple from doing their own modems. Matter of fact, Apple is doing their own modems now, but granted, they're late. They should have started five, maybe even 10 years ago. But what Apple is well, rumored to have a modem program in development, they don't have a working chip yet. They were 
far from that. Exactly. And then companies like Broadcom were in the motor business as well, but they failed on a business point of view. Their, their business didn't succeed. It wasn't that Qualcomm pushed them out of the market. Broadcom failed on its own. And the average cost of the modem technology, the average cost of the handsets have decreased. Yeah, we do see, you know, one $2,000 handsets out there now, which are ridiculous. But the average cost of that technology has decreased and proliferated around the world at a rate we've never seen with any other technology. So I'm, I, I guess my conclusion here is I'm, just, I'm still floored. I don't understand this. Every other FTC has dropped its case uh, against Qualcomm because they really didn't think there was a case. The ITC found in favor of, well, that was more around patent infringement, but everything that we've seen from the civil court cases to the FTC's decisions around the world have basically said there was really no monopolistic, anti-competitive behavior here on the part of Qualcomm. Uh, and I guess this this couldn't have actually impacted Judge Coe's decision, but right after the trial had com- completed, um, before the, her decision was released, Apple and Qualcomm signed an armistice. They 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 called it quits, and an Apple uh, settled with Qualcomm is going to get Qualcomm modem technology for future iPhone. I bet probably twenty twenty, and uh, Intel pulled out of the business. So uh, Intel's no longer going to be in the smartphone modem business for 5g they'll complete their existing contracts but then they're they're not they've, they've halted uh, future development of 5g modems uh for smartphones so this decision really makes no sense now in light of those two developments and also the other uh, ftcs around the world so my i have a theory and my theory is that behind the scenes qualcomm and ftc will settle this deal and bring it to Judge Co. and say, and and FTC will you know slap Qualcomm on the wrist for something, and and to make to make it look like uh, there was a, a real settlement, and FTC could save face, and Judge Co. can save face because I don't think this is going to hold up an appeal to the uh, Ninth District Court, and everybody goes everybody goes home reasonably happy, I think, but that's a, that's my theory, and there's no proof yet or proof that this is actually what's in the works, but. That would make the most sense. Right now, the FTC and uh, the DOJ are going after the big software companies like Google and Facebook and Amazon and App and also Apple on uh, their App Store. So I think the Qualcomm deal now looks completely out of out of sync with the rest of FTC's initiatives. And I think if the FTC lawyers are smart, they will settle this, get out of it, and uh, move on. Just a note here, it does go back to Judge Coe first, the appeal, and if she denies it, then it goes to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, and then if, uh, from there, it could possibly even go to the Supreme Court, but, you know, even based on previous decisions and recent decisions by the Supreme Court, we fully believe that if this even goes past Judge Coe, it's going to get overturned. Well, it depends. Uh, Judge Coe has definitely set some uh, ground rules in her decision that could limit what the Ninth Circuit Court can can look at. But yeah, I, I mean, I've been to the court a few days and listened to the uh, trial, and I just didn't find anything really compelling about the FTC's case. It just, it, it was based on a theory and, and a lot of uh, complaints from competitors of Qualcomm that were just sour grapes in my mind. It is, just to note, it, the, you know, if this was upheld, 
this could really just tie the entire wireless and mobile industry in knots. You know, trying to figure out how to license, you know, millions of in, uh, individual patents to every handset would be just a bloody nightmare. But we'll see what happens. This this would actually disrupt the, the global system of patents and, uh, and, and the FRAN licenses and throw basically the, the smartphone business into, uh, I wouldn't call it chaos, but uh, it would just restructure the whole thing based on a U.S. court decision here, which does not, uh, which would be bad for the industry. I think this would slow innovation. And, and specifically, it's, it would uh, hurt an American company at a time when we're trying to promote American IP and American workers and companies in a global stage. And I, and I only people who would benefit from this are a Huawei and Samsung. And uh, those are the only companies that would significantly benefit in this case. Yeah. And, you know, the current administration has already found that Qualcomm and Qualcomm's technology was critical to national security. And the Department of Justice even came out against this FTC case. So you got to kind of wonder how the politics are playing out in this, not to mention the ITC. You know, in the ITC decision, two different ITC judges found that uh, Apple infringed on Qualcomm patents. And then an ITC commission came back and said, oh, no, those patents are invalid. Even after a civil court found out that uh, determined they were valid. You know, there are just so many politics around this case that I really wish I could see behind the curtain. Yeah, I know. It's, it's kind of frustrating looking at it from the outside. And, and I mean, this... Yeah, it's it's like it's very frustrating to, to see this going in the wrong direction. But like I said, I hope that cooler heads prevail. That that uh, Qualcomm, FTC, and Judge Coe can come to some accommodation, and uh, let's move on and and focus on uh, the next generation. You know, developing after five G. Five G is just rolling out now, and then eventually start working on six G. So there's a lot of work to be done, and a lot of innovation still to come. So with that, I think it's time to wrap this one up. Uh, you know, Jim and I are frustrated as it is. <laughs> <laughs> so please remember that uh, Tyrius Research is a market research and advisory firm that provides custom research and advice to the entire high-tech ecosystem from sensors all the way to the cloud. This includes custom market sizing. we got product and company competitive analysis, M&A evaluations, product, corporate, strategic planning, uh, and marketing strategies. If you'd like more information about Tyrius Research or inquire about our services, please contact us directly at Kevin at Tyrius Research, that's T-I-R-I-A-S, research.com, or Jim at TyriusResearch.com. You can also visit our website at www.TyriusResearch, and please keep up with us on social media at Tyrius Research or at Crewell for Kevin Crewell, and at Tech Strategist, that's T-E-K-S-T-R-A-T-E, G-I-S-T for Jim McGregor. Yeah, I'll have to teach Jim how to spell tech someday. Um, please yeah, contact us <laughs> if you have any feedback or if you have any topic requests you'd like to hear us talk about. Thank you for joining us and look for more information on this and other topics in future Tyrius casts. Mm-hmm.